0: what's going on everybody welcome back another episode of the morning dump got my man jj once again Ready to chop it up, yes, JJ sir. salute, you already know.
1: You already know, what's up, what's up, glad to be back, uh, it took a week hiatus, but we back at it, ready to go. Yeah, we
0: here, we here. Sure. Um, we're recording this Thursday, uh, February 11th, we're at 10 in the morning after a night where the Lakers went into overtime, their third straight overtime game against the Thunder, uh, third straight overtime game against a sub-500 team. Second uh,
1: second one against the Thunder, back-to-back joints.
0: Yeah, and they, they didn't even have Shea yesterday. Yeah. Like, what, like, what the hell is that? Um, but anyway, without further ado, let's get to the shits.
1: Let's get to the shits. I'm here about it. First off,
0: what is wrong with the Wizards? Russell Westbrook is now l- – let me look at this. He is 2-13 when he plays. The team is 2-13 when he plays.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Without him, they're 4-3. Bradley Beal, that whole trade saga, is apparently coming to light or not. Apparently he doesn't want to leave. That's what I've been told as Mm -hmm. well. But what what are your initial thoughts now that this Westbrook Wall trade was now? We're six, seven weeks removed from it.
1: You keep your biggest asset in Bradley Beal. The fact that Bradley Beal came out publicly and said he doesn't want to trade from the Wizards means – I think the wizard's number one priority should be protecting him and protecting him for the future, building around it because he can say that now, but if you continue not to build around him, not to put you know, a, a championship contending team around him, I mean, his mind could change in a year or two and right. he could then request a trade. Um, I think they were start. they thought they were starting to move in that direction with going and getting what they thought was a superstar talent and Russell Westbrook. And, it's just not panning out to him. I mean, you talked about how when they play, they have two wins <laughs> when he plays, and he's averaging about 19 points. Which you know, I don't have it right in front of me, but I gotta imagine that's his lowest, you know, scoring average output in seasons. Like, when's the last time right, Russell right. Westbrook hasn't averaged 20 points in a season? He's just not making the Wizards better. Um, he
0: he had his second dunk of the year. Two nights ago,
1: which is which is wild, right? Like you, you think of Russell Westbrook and you think of tenacious, ferocious at a thousand miles an hour every, you know, every game. And it just seems like he's either lost that motor or he's still trying to assimilate into the Wizards to see when he can turn it on completely and when he can't. And, you know, I I think he was trying to be super optimistic about this trade because the Rockets kind of sent him to Washington just just to blow the whole thing up. They kind of didn't really care where they sent. Russell Westbrook, they were just trying to get something for his contract and were able to get John wall on a first round pick. Why would you not, why would you not make that trade? Why would you not do that? And a lot of people thought this is where his career was going to go to 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 sink, right? Like you go to Washington, you go to a team that's down and out and maybe Russell Westbrook's career doesn't get revived after this. Um, But it it seems like he's still trying to figure out where he can insert himself like he did with the thunder, like he did with the rockets. And it's just not working out that way.
0: So, his career to allude to the point that you said his career is beginning to sink this year averaging 19 a game so far nine rebounds nine assists in 15 games but if you want to look at his previous seasons he hasn't averaged less than 21 a game 21 and a half a game since his second year in the league um you could see the significant scoring dip and his stats yeah, he might be putting up almost 29-9 and near triple-double, but when you see him play, there's no mold or fit to what he is doing out on the court. Um, it His jump shot's broken, first off. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I don't necessarily know what sort of direction the Wizards uh, I mean, should go there's here. No, with-
1: there's no facilitation of the offense for Russell Westbrook. I mean – You can. A lot of people have knocked his game over the years, but the one thing you could say is Russ is going to go out on the court and do everything that he possibly could. And sometimes it made his team, it made its teammates. I would say most of the time it made its teammates better. The last year he was in OKC, I mean he took a a subpar team to a fifth, sixth seed in the in the playoffs and averaged a triple double that year. Like people realize the value of Russell Westbrook. And this year, I don't think he's making anybody better. I don't think. He he came to the Wizards. I don't think he improved a thing. They are, you know, bottom tier in the league in, in pretty much every major category that you want to bring up. Um, so he's just not doing it. Like he's just not there's there's nothing that Russell Westbrook is is making the Wizards better at right now, which is crazy because that's a superstar talent. And it's just it's, it's and a it's, terrible fit.
0: It's such a shame because at least for myself, he's I'm a huge Russ fan um you see him sort of falling back on his three point shot more um second second highest season in terms of three point attempts uh per game this year um still not making any more um he's also uh shot attempts per game lowest since since his 3rd year in the league um it, it it's not really encouraging at all for for the future of his uh wizards career or the rest of his career and i don't know if we've ever seen like a dip like like this, uh for Not fell off a cliff.
1: Stars, you know, now, because like because last year, you know, last year he still had all star numbers. He still had, you know, all you know. I wouldn't say all NBA type numbers, but he had all star numbers. He had, you know, above average, upper echelon numbers, especially when James Harden wasn't there. Like there are a lot of times. you remember the Rockets last season before the before the restart?
0: That February yeah. he
1: had was yeah. On the field. Unreal and they routed off yeah. what a thirteen game win streak, thirteen fourteen yeah. game win streak or something crazy like that, all in the back of Russell Westbrook. James Harden wasn't even there for most of those games. And he just he's not carrying a load like like he is like he was last year with the Rockets. He's just he's not improving anything and it's it's sad. It's
0: and there's a lot more I think the big key that I think we're both getting at is that there was so much more like pep in his step when he was playing, right? Like Last year he had this like he's always a guy with just this nonstop one hundred and ten percent motor, you know he's never going to calm down. It's not um, there, and he yeah he's just going at a flat seventy five percent rate right now, mm-hmm. um if not lower and it, it's such a shame. But um in terms of the return that they got John Wall and the Rockets they've sort of turned things around. They can um really make make a playoff run, right? I mean, I think they're currently sitting at 9 or 10 in the West right now. Um, And Wall, I mean, Wall is to me what CP3 is to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I I ride for John Wall. If if you guys don't know, um, we spoke on the pod last, last time about CP3 and about how J.J. is like the biggest CP3 fan ever and he turns everybody into CP3 fans, myself
1: included. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Suns jersey is in the mail. Suns jersey is on the way yeah. as we speak. I'll have it, <laughs> oh, I'll have really? it By the next pod. Yeah, yeah, I had oh, to wait until the fun. Bucks won, but oh, it's man. in there.
0: That's good. Uh, but in terms of John Wall and the, and the Rockets, they got a nice core there that I think can really sort of make this um, – sort of push into the playoffs and also make some noise. They're definitely going to get into a playing game now. JJ, what do you think about John Wall, the Rockets? Uh, Christian Wood, I know he's out due to injury right now, but mm-hmm. do you think he could sort of give this spark? Like, I think that's his team, right? That's, that's Christian that's Wood's John Wall. team.
1: And, and he said it. He said it publicly, I think, what, three or four days ago, that he, I think he finally realized that, that you know, I am the face of this team. I'm I'm the new face of the Rockets franchise. And I think – you talk about, is he going to be able to give a, give the Rockets a boost? I think that's what he needs. I think he he needs for a team to buy into him again. The Wizards fell out of that. He, he lost the seniority of the team to Brad Beal. When you don't play for two years, you're going to you're gonna lose that. Um, and so he, was, he wanted a team to rally around him again. Now, John Wall's not a person who's going to go out and give you 30 a night. He's not a person that's going to go out and give you 11, 12 assists a night. But consistency, and that's what he's. Able to give the Rockets, uh, I believe he's he's at like 20, 21, 22 a night, maybe five and six. Like that's that's exactly what John Wall is is going to give you, and at a consistent basis. And I think that's what he's giving the Rockets. And I think they, they, they absolutely can make a playoff push. I think Christian Wood coming back is going to be essential to that. But as long as John Wall realizes that, then I th- I think they're good. And the Rockets are kind of made up of a lot of veterans that you know people may have forgotten about. You talk about him. You talk about right. Boogie Cousins. You talk about PJ Tucker. Like, you talk about Eric Gordon. Like, those are PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon are perennial underrated, you know, underrated value guys in the league. People are kind of forgotten about Boogie. John Wall is coming back with something to prove. Not, There's a lot to of mention, veterans.
0: Not to mention Vic. I mean, I think a lot of teams soured on Vic Oladipo after he tore his ACL. And then um, he got traded for Lavert. Now, Lavert's a nice player. And I, I mean, I really like Lavert. I think the Pacers got a. Um, a better return there. Um, but I think Victor Oladipo, a lot of teams just soured on him, um, especially after the whole chemistry issues where he was asking other teams if he could play they for can
1: them. They could come get him. Yeah, come get yeah. me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, I mean, I, I like I don't know. I, I think that rubbed a lot of teams the wrong way, uh, not to mention his injury history and him not being that MVP – or um, excuse me, all-star guy. Mm. <laughs> he wishes he was an MVP. Yeah. <laughs>
1: He may, I mean, he was like uh, what the number number yeah, he's top ten pick. So maybe at some point he's he two, thought he, yeah. Yeah, he was he thought he was gonna be that. But all star is, is Victor Lodipo's ceiling. Yeah. But I mean the best thing about the Rockets is I didn't think they were gonna be able to shed last year's tobacco or the offseason tobacco this early. Yeah. And they seem like they they did it. Like they seem like shout out to Steven Silas doing a, a great job of coming in and kind of picking up, you know, pieces of something and putting it back together and making them a competitive team. I expected the Rockets to not be able to to get themselves upright for a long time, for at least a year or two, and they picked it right up. and And can't sleep on the Rockets. You sleep on the Rockets, and you know they're they're going to make a little push. So that's that shots yeah, to them. But
0: but realistically, we know that they're not they're not contenders. Um, let's be like, competitive
1: let's and so. get no 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 no. <laughs> don't, don't don't get it twisted. Like competitive and contenders is different. Like, right, the right. Pacers are a competitor. I don't know why the Pacers are always a barometer for this. But the Pacers are a competitive team, but not a contention team. Don't sleep no. on the Pacers, you're going to get beat. Simmons but, over Sabonis. Stop it. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> We're not going to bring this up again. <laughs> I'm, not doing, I'm not doing this again.
0: In the last two weeks, we had um, some trade rumors. And then one trade that actually happened, it was uh, Derrick Rose to the Knicks returning. Um, returning there jj talk to me about that fit how you like it um it'll be their first playoff since 2013 if they do make it in um i know we talked uh touched a little bit on the knicks uh in our last pod but at the same time now that rose is there what dynamic do you think he brings to the team what necessarily do you think he can help those guys with just shoot
1: i mean the the Knicks are a, a team with a whole like a whole lot of young talent. R.J. Barrett, um, you know, uh, Emmanuel Quigley, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox. They're just they're young all over the place, and and that's their core. But you talk about the fit. Derrick Rose has now played for Tom Thibodeau on you know four different tenures. Like Tibbs loves him some Derrick Rose, um, and I think it it, it speaks to Derrick Rose's work ethic, his non quit mentality, and apparently the first thing he said. To RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quigley, Alfred Payton, and all the guards there is like, I'm here to mentor you. Like Derek knows, Derek Rose knows what stage of his career he's at. And it's the passing on of the skills, the passing on of the knowledge, and they need that. There's not too many, you know, you know, really big veteran guys when you're talking about the Knicks. And if you want to mentor young talent and mentor young guards, I mean, Derek Rose is at the top of the list to, to be able to do that. The the injuries he's able to come back from the resilience he's been able to have, and he's a fan favorite. Part of what was wrong with the Knicks is like they were a franchise that a bunch of people were starting to not like and you right. you bring you bring they you know, that around. A universally liked guy like Derrick Rose and that was, you know, that that that's going to help them tremendously. Um but, you know, I think Derrick Rose, I think when I look back in his career besides MVP Derrick Rose in Chicago I think the, the the best fit that he's had was when he was with the Knicks. When he when he had that was when he turned right. You know when he had his little comeback in his career. Yeah, like that yeah. was that was a a great you know tenure he had with the Knicks. He kind of fits the the blue collar vibe of of Madison Square Garden and the mecca right. of basketball. Like I I love the fit for Derrick Rose. Like I think he's happy.
0: Um. So a few things to note. Um. His opening presser. Uh. Or his presser. I think it was after his first game on. On, on Tuesday um, he talked about his dynamic with with Tom Thibodeau and about how he he's like oh I just have a special relationship with with Tom and uh, you know me and him we just get each other and uh, he's like I don't know what it is like it might be awkward be- between us but we just get the game he's like I don't care anything about it um, but then he also went on to the Knicks and just the overall vibe which is what you were sort of getting at like he said he was talking about uh, like Leon Rose, who's really turned that team around. I thought that was that was big um, when they first got Leon Rose because he's a guy that was um, he originally blew up for being like Iverson's agent. Yep, yep. Um, and a few other guys, um, but I think that helped them sort of establish this uh, th- this culture and this and this makeup of what the Knicks should be in the future. And I think that helps so much because. When you're an agent and you're talking to, um, you know, multiple teams, for instance, right? So let's say if I'm the agent of Wayne Ellington, I just picked the first random guy that came to my mind.
1: Uh, if you're the agent of
0: Wayne Ellington, you're between the Pistons and the Knicks and the Orlando Magic, mm-hmm. right? These agents know how players will be treated dependent on different organizations, and when you have a guy like Leon Rose, who is known for communicatively establishing the right culture and makeup between guys and how they will fit in certain areas, like my whole point is you know, he'll be treated right in New York.
1: Yeah.
0: With, with Leon Rose, William Wesley. Um, those I was about guys to say, that,
1: World, World Wide West, like that, World Wide West was a, a big one after Leon Rose, too.
0: And that was a big part of. Derek Rose, he was trying to push his way to New York, from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And he eventually made it there because you have Thibodeau, you have Wes, you have Leon. So all those guys and that generic makeup, I think that's great for Rose. And I think he can really – he's going to play valuable minutes for this team. Wow, and not to really mention, has. he's – yeah. And not to mention, he's going to be a guy that is going to come in and really groom quickly – and um Toppin as well. He gave him uh he gave him both their his number, Derek Rose. He he gave Toppin and quickly his number. He's like, Look, if you could call me anytime, I don't care if it's two in the morning, I don't care if it's right after a game and I'm in the next room. Call me whatever you want. We could talk basketball, we could talk life, whatever you need, I'm here. And I think that's huge for the Knicks.
1: Who has I mean the Knicks started it started with Kevin Knox, right? When they when they started, you know, this complete rebuild and getting these you know top 10 picks year after year after year and they're on year five of it you know kevin knox mitchell robinson rj barrett emmanuel quigley like it's boom boom or and an Obi topping boom 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 like it's it's you know what i mean and so Good. who 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 has been the veteran mentor to any of these guys especially the guards but who who has been there like there, there's no one they've been able to turn to on team. yeah right like <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr. when he was there, like it's it's that mm-hmm. that's who
0: Andre Jordan for like twenty a seconds, a hot second, yeah, for a hot minute,
1: <laughs> you know what I mean. And on top of that, they've had to deal with, uh, you know, what was supposed to be the standard of NBA culture collapsing before their eyes. James Dolan throwing out, you know, people, you know, Phil Jackson absolutely imploding the team. Like they've had to deal with all of that. You don't, yeah. you know, that's that's not how you bring young talent along. So they finally have. A good foundation, something that's not rocky, something that's not going to topple over, and now veteran presence inside the locker room. I think that's why you're seeing, you know, guys make this jump. That's why you're seeing the the Knicks make this jump. Now they're currently in ninth place after the loss to the Heat last night, which is a tough one, but you got guys, we haven't even mentioned his name yet. Julius Randle putting up 22, 10, and 5. Like that's, That's you you get yourself in a playoff contention. You you talk about him on, you know, being an all star reserve.
0: Is he like, Taking something?
1: Oh like, no! Like, the NBA might have had him. The NBA, <laughs> NBA might have might have sent, sent him something in the mail. Saying, hey, he yeah, in yeah. this cup for me one time, yeah, yeah. but he cool, bro. Like you know, Julius Randle has always had talent. He's just been on for, a really for bad sure, day. for sure, for sure. He's just been. I mean, he was on the Lakers when they were really bad. He was on the Pelicans when you know they had really no hope. And you know, let's see.
0: Two things before we move on. Um, I went to a game. Two and a half years ago where Philly is game in Philly. Philly played new Orleans and uh, Randall was on that team. Randall had a really good game and he was battling with, I think it was like Embiid beat in his maybe fourth or fifth year. Um, and he, I think what people don't realize about him is he is such a prowess down low uh, rebounding and he can make such an impact without the ball. He's very, he's really impressive, and he's once he put together his offensive game this year, he's really come alive. Now to sort of lead into our next point as well, it would be a crazy turn of events. So we were talking about the DeAndre Jordan, Tim Hardaway Jr. like era in New York. That would be a crazy turn of events with Porzingis, right? So like, let's say the Mavericks, uh, the Knicks hold their pick right now, like. That trade looked like a huge debacle, where it was Kristaps Porzingis um, and Tim Hardaway Jr. going to Dallas for Dennis Smith Jr. and DeAndre Jordan, and like, what if Dallas is a bottom ten team this year? You know, I mean, they're starting to pick up, pick it up a little bit. They they beat Atlanta last night, but still, you know, what if that's a top ten pick? Right, Knicks could Knicks could be in the money. That would be the uh, a crazy turn of events that I don't think anybody uh, would have scene because it looks like that Dallas just sort of ran away with that deal, right? It, it, I mean,
1: it did look like it, and then KP got hurt again. It was the the biggest caveat. The yeah, the caveat to that deal was the the Mavericks win if KP comes back from his ACL injury. The same KP that left because you remember he got traded while he was sitting. Like he kind of forced KP forced his way out. He pulled a Kawhi basically, where he forced his yeah. way out of New York. <laughs> said, "I'm not even though I could play, I'm not going to play." Went to Dallas, played like five games, had to get surgery again on his on his knee, I think this time, and now was just starting to come back. And he's not the same key, KP that everyone, you know, he, 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 had was had a nice, the he had a nice
0: game the other night, though. He had, uh, he yeah. had uh, it was like 22 10 in six blocks or something like mm-hmm. that, which, which is, really which, is
1: well. which is probably maybe not his ceiling, We you can't expect much. Maybe you can expect four or six more points, but you can't expect right. much more on a nightly basis from KP. Um, and I I think Luca needs a second running mate. Luca right now is averaging what, you know, 27 points, I think close to, you know, seven rebounds, eight or nine assists. Like Luca is doing Luca things and and that team still, you know, can't seem to put it together. I think they're like 12th or 13th in the West or very, very bottoms, almost last seed in the West. That big, that win against Atlanta last night was, was a pretty big win just in terms of their moral, their moral identity. But you know, this Dallas team needs to pick it up. I didn't think – no one thought they were going to be this bad. I agree. I definitely, I definitely didn't think so.
0: Real quick to touch on Dallas. So, they announced – so, first of all, it took them 12 games to realize that they were even playing the national anthem – or not playing the national anthem, rather.
1: At right. The, like even I, the I national don't know, media. Even, even ESPN just no, now is starting to run. No one even realized. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, I, I – like I I didn't know, no, like nobody mm-hmm. knew, but they, you know, they weren't doing it for, for a, a fair amount of games. And now the NBA releases a statement saying how we're going to continue with our longstanding tradition of playing the national anthem. What do you think about that?
1: Sound off. Um, first thing I, I, I know you do, do a lot of work. I know, but, I know I'm, I'm very active, especially in a social justice fight. I won't stop it. Um, But the biggest thing, for a social justice initiative like this is when you can find allies, especially being a black man, finding you know my, my white allies who, who are fighting on the, on the right side of this fight. So I gotta give a shout out to Mark Cuban because Mark Cuban is one of the realest GMs the NBA maybe has ever seen, but definitely one of the realest GMs in the NBA right now. Like when Mark Cuban stands for something, he stands for something. And it's 99.9% of the time, you know, the right side of history or the right side of the moral code. And he came out publicly and he said, right now, I don't think the national anthem and the flag is, you know, is, is representing what we want to represent in America. And he's like, and until it does, or until America is showing that it represents or is upholding the qualities and the standard that the national anthem and the flag represents, I don't, I don't feel that, you know, we should, we should be playing it. It's a protest. That's that's what it is. Like, it's along the same lines as Colin Kaepernick kneeling for it or the NBA kneeling for it in the bubble. Like, it's, 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 a, it's definitely 100% along the same line. So shout out to Mark Cuban. And, of course, I support him 100%. And I think it's a little weird that the NBA allowed all teams last year to kneel or, you know, do whatever demonstration they wanted to do towards the national anthem or, you know, for social injustice but now is kind of forcing the Mavericks to play the National Anthem now, now that they realize that they haven't been playing it. I don't know where people have been, but...
0: <laughs> like how do you go know, like 12 games without realizing and then like all of a sudden it's just like this big deal? I mean, um, it, it shows I, I the
1: attention the Mavericks have i mean dallas isn't a big market i'm sure adam silver hasn't been to american airlines arena this season to watch a maverick <laughs> game I'm, I'm sure he hasn't noticed and then you know he probably turned on sports center one night and was like they haven't He's been like, playing what? the what? national anthem like yeah. what like why did no one tell me about this and then yeah, of course yeah. when it hits espn you got the other side saying how much of an abomination it is and the nba is already losing money as it is so i'm sure yeah. people saying well i'm not watching any Mavericks game as long as this happening, I'm, I'm sure Adam Silver couldn't allow, you know, money to keep coming out the pocket. So.
0: Right, and I think it just comes down to, like, retaining their their fan base, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, whatever, you know. I, I don't want to say whatever side you're on because I think we're all, like, on the same side of helping one another, but, um, you know, even so, just one thing I'm going to say, though, uh, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying, um, but when I go to sporting events, my experience, there's the only thing I'm going to say, really. My experience is not predicated on whether or not the anthem is played.
1: Preach. Preach. That's why people didn't notice it, yo. That's why people yeah, didn't notice like
0: if, it. Like, I, like, if I go to a game, like, yeah, the, like the anthem's nice, you know, y'all stand in solidarity and such. But, like, if it's played versus not playing, you know, at least it doesn't have as much of an impact on me. And then to point out the Previous history in after World War One, um, baseball games. You know they play the national anthem in sign of solidarity, and mm-hmm. then it was just adopted, and everyone just did it. Right. Um, I don't. At least this is just my personal feeling. Um, I don't necessarily think that playing or not playing it changes and, my viewpoint on how I view basketball.
1: And and also you got to look at the biggest players on the Mavericks. They're not even American. Luka Doncic, Serbian; Uh, Kristaps Porzingis, Latvian. So it's not like Mark Cuban made this decision, and the biggest players are like, "Well, now I don't get to, you know, to celebrate my country or to pledge allegiance to my country." Like Luka and KP, are like I don't care if it plays. Not my country's national national anthem. (laughs) Like it didn't it didn't hurt them. Like it's just you know Mark Cuban loves his Europeans, man. You know he he loves his European players. So. He's like, it, it, you know, this is not going to make any difference to y'all, so I'm just pulling this.
0: So the Brooklyn Nets, they are currently last in the league in terms of defensive rating, uh, 119.4, and that's points per 100 possessions. That, that I, I think that would technically be second worst all-time or the worst all-time uh, now as we speak and then offensively they're third in offensive rating in the league at 116.5. Um what do you think is wrong with the Nets?
1: <laughs> you like you just said it and it's funny how we scream, it's an offensive driven league, it's an offensive driven NBA, but defense will always win championships. All you can't you can't win with consistently letting teams score 120 plus. We started off this pod we're talking about how much the wizards are struggling on offense how much the wizards are struggling in general they put up 149 points on these dudes 150 that's an all that's all-star game numbers and and, and the nets lost and it's a, and they put up 146 right now in regulation so that's that's that shows you that no matter how good your offensive output is like you're still playing nba teams you got to be able to play defense and put it together. I will say this, over the last maybe week or so, I've seen more of a defensive effort from the Nets than I did at the start of the season or when they got James Harden. Like, I think they've started to notice that like, yo, we really can't just win by just playing offense. And if you're James Harden, you just came from a system that didn't care about defense at all, that your only option or your only game plan was shoot in volume more than the other team was Mike D'Antoni's system. And then you come to the Nets, and who's the assistant coach of the Nets? Mike D'Antoni. Who's your head coach, Steve Nash, and where did he have his best success? Oh, in a Mike D'Antoni offense. That's The offense is all they know. they got to start adopting some kind of defensive identity. You don't have to be the best team in the league at defense if you're the Nets. You just have to be good enough at defense to where your offensive output can offset it. You just got to be good enough. You don't have to be the best defense in the league. You got to be somewhat good enough.
0: I think it's hilarious. So they go and sign Norvell Pell, mm. Noah vonley and Amon Schumper, and they're like, Ah, oh, our defensive problems are solved. <laughs> like I Sure. Sure. Yeah, like, come on. I like, think like, let's be real.
1: Such an underrated piece of this three team deal to get James Harden was letting go Allen. to Jer- let it go in Jared Allen. Like that was and they're missing that 100%. Jeff Green right now starts at the five. When you're going up against the the Seventy Sixers of the Eastern Conference, if Miami if Miami turns it around, the Milwaukee Bucks, who's guarding these bigs? When like who's gonna when, put together?
0: Uh, yeah, well, they have nobody to guard Embiid. I mean, that like it would be such a fun series seeing like the Sixers and Nets play, and like Embiid go for fifty and. All these Nets guys go for, like, 30-plus. Um, if they could do that, the Sixers are really good defensively. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they've been playing really well. Here's, um,
1: here's what is going to help the Nets, though. Right now, the NBA is playing very fluid. But we know that towards the end of the season, down the stretch and in the playoff time, how much the game slows down, gets technical. And when the game slows down, that's when it's going to benefit the Nets so much. Like, I, I get the Nets suck on defense – but I'm still not worried about them because they have three guys, one who've all been to a finals, who've all been deep into the NBA playoffs. They know what it takes. And three guys that when the game slows down, their offensive, you know, their offensive identity or their offensive game shines when they, when it slows down. So I'm, I'm not too worried about them. but They got to sew it up a little bit on defense.
0: But I was looking at the original trade um, of the the Harden to you know the fourteen deal with Harden going to to Brooklyn. Um, Jared Allen was minus like eight and a half wins for Brooklyn uh, by by trading him away, uh, just him uh, alone. Not to mention Levert and, and the other guys. Um, Harden doesn't necessarily add to that because his defensive metrics aren't great either. I think he's an underrated defender. Even KD came out and said that this week. But you know even so, it's just they have no interior presence. And when you lose that, I mean, even if they just kept Allen, they were trying to involve Shamit and, and, and another pick. They were trying to put in whatever else they could not to give up Allen. And ultimately that was the deciding factor. And uh Cleveland stole him. They stole him away for like a second round pick in Dante Exum or a, a protected first and Dante
1: If I'm the Nets, if I'm the Nets at the deadline I go right back to the Cavs and say, You don't need Andre Drummond. What you got Andre Drummond for? Yeah. Yeah. Get, 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 let me let me guess let me get Andre Drummond you don't even want him that's what I'm saying to the Cavs you don't want him he got a big-ass contract you just got Jared Allen who can easily take his spot you don't even want all that let me let me get Andre Drummond
0: there's been so much talk about him being a buyout guy by the time you reach a certain point in the season half of his contracts are already be guaranteed I think it's 60 percent so if he's making I think he's making like 30 a year right now um or or 28 mil a year so technically he'd only be owed like 12 million. They just have to buy out that 12 million. and he's a free agent. It's crazy because these guys, I think already sort of know where they're going. <laughs> um, and, Mine's already made up. Yeah. And I think that's just the whole sort of makeup of, of the NBA with, with some of these guys. Um, like, I don't want to say it's rigged, but at the same time, it's like, come on, like
1: it's it, not rigged, but it's planned out. Like it's not, it's not random. Yeah. It's not random. It's but, not random.
0: No, not at all. And, um, it's funny. Somebody on my page commented, um, shout out Cameron Langton if you're listening to this. He says, "Offense sells tickets, defense wins games and rebounds win championships." Quote, Pat Summit.
1: Shout out late great Pat Summit. Yo, I've never heard rebounding wins championships. That's actually I've actually never even heard that Pat Summit quote. So that's yeah. shout out Cam for for bringing that's that to stuff. light, but like That is some good stuff. And Jared Allen's like an unsung hero. Every championship team has an unsung hero. I don't think the Nets have one yet. It's KD, Kyrie, James Harden, and company. You need like an unsung hero that they can be like, we don't win this championship
0: without you. Were you more scared of them with uh, Dimwitty, Levert Allen? Uh, Because I was. And Harden.
1: They They were more tenacious. Like they were more scrappy. They were more feisty. They, you know, fight. There's a lot of guys who you don't build a game plan around when you have that team. I build a game plan around KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. But like, you don't necessarily build an entire game plan around Spencer Dinwiddie, a whole game plan around Karis Levert, a whole game plan around Jared Allen. So those are guys that can can come in and mess up someone's game plan. And now it allows, it it opens up space for KD to take over late in the third or into the fourth, or Kyrie to take over, or James Harden. To take over,
0: but that's why, but that's why you, that's why you already have those guys. Like my only thing was, you already have Katie and Kyrie, right? You have a bunch of guys around him that are great players. I mean, all he needed was Levert to just buy in, and if he bought in into being this twenty a game guy off the bench, they win a title, in my opinion. Um, with with that team pre Harden, um, now you get Harden. And now you have this dynamic of three stars, but no sort of other glue guy. I mean, you could argue, no no argue Joe. No support. You could argue Joe Harris, but at the same time, he's another wing. I mean, he's just a bailout guy when those other guys get doubled. Uh, I I don't get the dynamic. And now you're running out, Uncle Jeff. You're running out, Shamit, and no other bigs. So like they were playing like Norvell Pell with like KD the other night.
1: Mm-hmm. And DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan can't yeah. play. DJ can't play big NBA minutes anymore. Like
0: that's He can't play more than like twenty minutes a game at most.
1: It's the reason why Jeff Green is starting. It's the it's literally the reason why Jeff Green is is starting at the five. It's uh it's tough. But look, when, when you have three of the biggest superstars in the league, three of the top scorers in the league just in terms of bucket getters, it, it does offset a lot. Um so we'll right. we'll see what happens.
0: So to move on, we got three guys who have really been huge. Oh, we'll add Anthony Edwards to this. We'll add Anthony Edwards to this. Um, the rookies have been really impressive. Lamelo Ball had shout out Puma a heck fam. of a game. Shout yeah. out! Shout out Puma Oh, you got the Puma fam. hat on. Shout out! Puma oh, man, fam. you mean? So for those of you who are coming from the page, um, I have been critical of Lamelo Ball. There it's you not have. because. <laughs> there you have. Yeah. This man been talking um, crazy. I did pick him to win it, rookie of the year, um in the beginning of the season. But it is more so because I expected LaMelo Ball coming out of, of what was it, Australia? Or where the hell was he playing?
1: <laughs> yeah, Australia, um, the NBL. Yeah. He said like, wherever um, the hell he came from.
0: Yeah, wherever the hell he came from. um You know, like his games weren't on TV, so I I wasn't seeing him. I was only I was only watching live streams. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just like, oh, this is Lamelo ball. Um, <laughs> um, but he has been exceptional. Like, I I can't. I'm lost for words. Um, what do you think about Lamelo and the Hornets? They're an exciting team. I, I they're probably going to make the playoffs. And now that he's starting and he's got that three point shot.
1: Whew, that's the biggest part, and and I'm gonna check tape. I'm gonna check tape on you a little bit because in the beginning of the season, you noted the intangibles that Melo had: his court vision, his pace, his his ability to use the pick and roll. And you were like, "But his scoring is always gonna be, you know, is is always gonna be his Achilles' heel. Is always gonna be something that he struggles with. And until he brings that along, I don't see him, you know, making a a big impact.
0: And it took him like 14 games, and then he's like. Nah, I'm a scorer. Yeah, nah,
1: nah, nah, I'm a scorer.
0: Like, he elevated – so there was a game where he played – I think it was – oh, my God. I don't know who it was against. But there was a game he played. It was either against like Chicago or Sacramento or something. And he came off the bench – and he just looked comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. And it was after I made like a bad post about him. I mean, I might be like superstitious. I don't think he saw it. That's what I was but about to the say. I remember,
1: I remember it was like right after a critical post. Man started man started hooping. Man started putting the ball in the He bucket. started
0: hooping, like he did everything that said he wasn't doing. <laughs> yeah. And it was weird. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he I was like, he needs to attack the basket. He needs to be comfortable. He needs to be able to just let it fly. I know we could shoot. Uh, but to, to what standard? If he just can create space and just let it fly, I mean, he's going to be he on the He hit seven threes the other night, mm-hmm. and he went, like, seven seven. seven. Like, it, it's a – In the first half. I yeah, was blown in away. In the first
1: half, bro. In the first half. <laughs> like, and, and here's the thing, is he showed it in every way. Shooting off the dribble, shooting off a set shot, coming off a screen. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, he was making it in, in every way possible. And the Mellow's archetype is – a pass first point guard. And I think right. somewhere along the line, one of the Hornets coaches was like, Yo, we know you can, your vision is natural to you, but you got to look to score. Like, we need, we need more scores on this team. And when he, when he changed his mentality of, I'm looking to score on a possession to possession basis, I mean, he's got, he can score he's in He's scoring. Way. He's a three level scorer. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And
0: he, so, my thing is, he went from, I was calling him like, Oh, this guy just looks like, a polished Rajon Rondo, you know, minus the defense. And now he's just – like, I called him Rajon Rondo like two weeks into the year, and now I call, I'm call i calling him like Walmart Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a guy that can't really play defense as well, but now, especially if he's not turning over the ball. I mean, there's no way you can bench LaMelo Ball. I mean, he I leads, mean, it, it, just the ascension is wild.
1: He leads all rookies right now in total points rebounds, assists, field goal percentage, three-point percentage. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's not a stat he's not leading rookies in right now. And he just started starting. He's what, four or five games into starting? Like, it it just started.
0: He's really blown me away. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't think he would have ascended that quickly. But I think that helps playing in uh, the Australian league. (laughs)
1: He's been playing with pros since he was that. Yeah, I mean, he play with pros since he was seventeen. And Luca has spoke to it. Tony Roten spoke to it one time. It's just overseas. It's harder to. It's more physical. Shout out Tony Roten, Sixers hero. But overseas, it's harder to score. It's it's, it's a more physical game. It's more defensive focus. More team focused right, right, right. Some of the European leagues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He wasn't NBL. He wasn't the NBL. <laughs> you know what I,
0: mean? I just watched the tape and I'm like, all right, well, let's see. Oh, he's playing RJ Hampton. Oh, nice. And then that pretty much does the right. Do you see how RJ Hampton played last night?
1: No, I didn't. I was one. I was just about to ask oh my you God. What, what how R.J. Hampton is doing, where he's at, G League right now, right?
0: No, he's with the Nuggets. Okay, he's up. He he like playing.
1: Go ahead, Dan.
0: Yeah. Oh no, no, he just he had a really nice play last night. I mean, I I, I think he has a nice game. I, I don't know if a shot will come along and translate as well, but um, he had a nice dunk the other night and a nice defensive play uh late in the game. So
1: shout out R.J. Shout out R.J.
0: Hampton though. Shout out R.J. Hampton. Um, Real quick to run through the rookie report. Um, Wiseman, he's looked good. Um, not much else to say about him. Uh, I think he's everything that Sacramento thought they were going to have in Bagley.
1: Marvin Bagley. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, and he's terrible, Marvin Bagley. Like he's been, he's been dog water. Um, literally, <laughs> dog water. Uh, so real, <laughs> real quick in terms in terms of of lineups that have played at least ninety five minutes. Um, the third best lineup in the league in terms of net rating is Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, um, Halliburton, and Rashawn Holmes. Those mm-hmm. five guys are the third best lineup in the league in terms of net rating. And Marvin Bagley's lineup is like, I don't know, I think it was like 40th or something.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: it so, It's a shame. I was so high on him too, but That's he's still 21.
1: Too. That's Puma Fam, too. Yeah, that facts. Hurts. That hurts. <laughs> Number two overall pick. Um, and
0: speaking of Halliburton, Halliburton's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I love – he's my favorite rookie uh, just because everyone rides LaMelo. Like, I don't want to be, like, with the status quo on everything. Um, I sort of want to be against that. But still, Halliburton's awesome. I love Halliburton. Um, any last thoughts about rookies?
1: Let me um, take a break. Uh me My only thought is, like – give Anthony Edwards his props, not lighting the world on fire, but nice, a lot of people nice, were nice, so nice. down on him after one kind of controversial statement without even yourself included, without even letting him like, you know, kind of take the court and see what he's got, you know, first. Um, so she's, he's, you know, he's doing something nice for the Timberwolves. Timberwolves just got cat back last night. So they just got their best player back. Let's see how they help them, how he helps them move along. Um, but I think Anthony Edwards is the raw talent is there. The polishness and, and you know, the, the perfectionist of the game has to come along, but the, the, the willingness to score the, the go get it, you know, bucket to put your head down and go to the rim is absolutely there. Uh, he just needs to put it, you know, put his game more together, but I, I really like Anthony Edwards.
0: So the NBA released their MVP ladder, uh, last week, along with their rookie ladder. But, um, in terms of their MVP ladder, they had LeBron at one and B2, Jokic three. We are 30% of the way through the year. MVP, JJ, right now. right? Season ends today.
1: Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid. One, Why? 100%. One, he's got his team at the top of the Eastern Conference. Um, the jump he's made from last year to this year, not just the scoring output. Uh, the endurance output, the the sustainability, the durability, the word is, is what I was looking for. Um, first year playing back-to-backs in pretty much his entire, his entire career. Uh, and if you look at the Sixers with him and the Sixers without him, the Sixers are the best team in the conference with him and one of the worst teams in the league without him. Isn't that the measuring stick we used for Le- when all those years that we said LeBron should have been MVP? Isn't that the exact measuring stick? that we used for him. If you take him off Cleveland, if you take him off Miami, if you take him off LA, they're a bottom tier team, but with him, they're the best team in the league. That's the, that's the same reason that we used. Um, And I think LeBron is, is getting the, the retroactive narrative treatment of, he probably should have won it. A lot lot of people think he should have won it last year. They're 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 looking for a reason to give it to him this year. Um, But if you're asking me right now, if the season ended, Joel Embiid is the MVP, 29 points, 11 rebounds, two assists, 54 from the field, 37 from three, which is big on a career, you know, a career, not a career low, but the lowest three-point output he's had, I think, in in two or three or four years or something like that. He's so much more
0: selective with a shot.
1: So much more efficient. Um, His efficient field goal percentage is 58. He's shooting 85% from the free throw line, a 31. Um, PR, which is six, six points wow. from his career, which is a very good player efficiency rating. Like it's, it's
0: 20 is good.
1: 20 is he's at 30 is 20
0: tw- or 30. has got to be a, uh, that's gotta be like a, a, a top 25 all time season. Yeah. Th-
1: 31 is your your You know, you have one of the best seasons in, in NBA history and shout out to my man, stat, Matt, his win shares is at four. So
0: you know, oh, man. Shout
1: out matt matt <laughs> I love the stat Matt shout out. <laughs> shout out to that the first facts podcast. Um, if you if y'all are listening to my podcast, you know my man stat matt. That's his favorite basketball stat is win shares. And Embiid's got, you know, uh, you know, a, a four win shares right now. So that that's my MVP. You know, you, you look hmm. at the best player on the best team, that that's Embiid right there. You don't gotta look too much further.
0: Do you think do you think well? I agree with you, um, no bias included. Uh, but if you're gonna flip the narrative, right? So last week the Sixers played the Blazers. Mm-hmm. They didn't have Ben Simmons, and they lost by like 17.
1: Melo mm-hmm. Melo Bop went off on him one time.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the Carmelo's career against the Sixers, I think he is like 23 and three.
1: Yeah, like and he has like, he has like his best game of the season. Last year had his best game of the season against the Sixers. Always, always, always does it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know uh, what
0: do you it think, is. Do you think that if LeBron wants to get the MVP, he'll just go and get it?
1: Yeah, and I think that switch flipped two weeks ago. Like I saw mm-hmm. it. Like I saw LeBron and AD had had it on cruise control. LeBron specifically had it on cruise control, and then I think he woke up one day and was like, "No, I want the MVP." And look at what he's doing. <laughs> That's how, it works, That's how it. it works with LeBron. He puts the league on notice. And he doesn't say it through his words. He says it through his play, which is big. Like he knows that everyone's gonna know what LeBron does on a night-to-night basis. He's now won his team's back-to-back overtime games, three overtime games in a row. um, That he's hit clutch bucket after clutch bucket, dropped a triple double in two of them. Like it's, it's, it's when when LeBron decides I want the MVP, especially after years of not getting it. Yeah, that you know, he can he can pretty much determine when he wants to go and get it or not and if they give it to him. But if we're looking at it completely objectively and not trying to overcompensate for LeBron not getting it past years, I think Joel Embiid is the is the MVP right now if the season stops. Now you, what about Jokic? I think Jokic gets he gets so overlooked, but he doesn't he doesn't bring it on the defensive end like Embiid and LeBron can bring it on the defensive end. And mm-hmm. Also, you know, the Nuggets are right in the mix of the Western Conference, but the, the Lakers sit second in the they West. Were terrible. They, they were, terrible were terrible to start, start the year. season. They were terrible to start the season. But yogic was still putting up those numbers, but they were terrible to start the season. Um, but Jokic is almost averaging a triple-double in in, in the NBA right now, which is, which is wild. And I do think right. if anyone averages a triple-double, you, like you got to be real hard-pressed not to give that person the MVP if you literally average a triple-double. It's only been done two times in NBA history. Um,
0: I think he's – personally, I so Embiid takes this ascension into superstardom this year, yet I still think Jokic is better. Not to say Embiid won't win the MVP. Mm-hmm. I think Embiid's going to win the MVP. Um, I still think Jokic is the better player because the things he does for you offensively um, – you could run every play through Jokic.
1: I mean, didn't we talk about think. this? We talked about this last time I was on the pod where they're off. Like, I've never seen an offense run where their center is the facilitator of the offense, where their seven-foot big man pretty much runs the point in the half court, in the full court. Like, they will get a defensive rebound, and instead of an outlet pass going to a guard, they'll go to Jokic, and he'll bring the ball yeah. up the floor and start the offense yeah. without a turnover. Like, without and – it's, and it's like they're running a set with Jokic at the point. It's crazy. I mean, he'll give you, you know, 27 to 30, 10 rebounds, 10 assists and be the slowest moving person on the floor. So, like yes, I think Jokic does more for you has a like a more all-around offensive skill set, but Joel Embiid is is maybe the most dominant force in the NBA right now. In terms of when you when you think of dominance like a Shaq or Dwight Howard in his prime, like dominance like that, like when Embiid decides that no one can physically guard me this game, no one can physically guard him.
0: And I think it goes to the point where it emphasizes how bad of a coach Brett Brown was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like Joel Embiid is. Have you seen him like pass out of double teams? Like I've, I've the last seven years of watching Joel Embiid, he's never ever done that. Mm-hmm. And now like he sees a defender out of the corner of his eye, and he just throws that's it what to it the, is, man.
1: It's not just his teammate. it's not just passing out of. The double team, it's recognizing when the double team is coming. I mean, I was watching right. the, the Kings game the other night where, not going to lie, and B looked kind of slow through the first three quarters of that it was game.
0: His, it was his worst game of the season and worst game in a while. And he and ended, he ended still with 27. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah. But he looked like he was kind of sleepwalking through the first two and a half quarters of that game, but it was coming down the stretch in the third quarter. He catches the ball on a the block. They send a double team, and he recognized it as soon as Halliburton started to come down. And B recognized mm-hmm. it and this is last year, two years ago, he wouldn't have noticed a double team until Halliburton was in his jersey. Turnover. Yeah, and then it's a yeah. turnover. He recognizes it early. He didn't even pass out of it. He just split it before it could get there, and now he's in the lane, and once he's right under the rim, there's, I mean, Anthony Davis is the only, Anthony Davis and maybe Rudy Gobert are the only people in the NBA that I could count on contesting and beat at the rim. But once he gets there, it's over. And that's coaching.
0: Did you say Anthony Davis can contest and beat at the rim?
1: I said he. I said Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert would be the only people that I could bet to put a contest at and beat at the rim.
0: I wouldn't put
1: either. You them. wouldn't even wouldn't put
0: anyone.
1: You wouldn't put anybody. I think.
0: I think. Uh, I, I honestly, I would put Mitchell Robinson before I put any of them.
1: You can't put or Mitchell Jay Robinson Allen. before you put Gobert. You can't do that.
0: I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying to like body like. Like, do you mean like backing down to the post on him?
1: I mean, when it beat, if Embiid is under the rim and he raises up, who do you oh, think no, can put no, a good no contest?
0: One, no one.
1: Okay. No one. But if you had to put no. someone, you're not putting Mitchell Robinson over Rudy Gobert. I'm not gonna no, let you do that. No. Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: But I'm saying, but I'm saying, in terms of, I'm saying, in terms of a guy to
1: like go deal and with him, a
0: shot, yeah, or like a guy that can really help defend him in like a defensive situation mm-hmm. i'd rather have in a 5v5 mitchell robinson to help defend and bead than i would rudy gobert because i think rudy gobert can get picked apart and he's not as long defensively like he's i know he has long arms i can block shots
1: but he's not as strong saying, either i think the strength exactly. is more of it yeah
0: well, I, I, but Mitchell Robinson isn't that strong either. But he Mitchell Robinson also is a guy that knows how to use his body, I think, a lot better than Rudy Gobert. I think Rudy Gobert can get picked apart mm-hmm. um, defensively. Like in a 5v5 situation. I'm not saying, like, if we were in the park and Joel Embiid backed down Rudy Gobert 1v1, I'd obviously have Rudy Gobert over Mitchell Robinson. I know right? what you
1: mean. I know like, what you mean.
0: Yeah. But, like, if you're getting a guy to swing over and help on a double team, you know, I'd rather have Mitchell Robinson try to face guard and Embiid then have Rudy Gobert get picked apart because Rudy Gobert can't laterally move as fast.
1: Mm -hmm. And I, and I understand why you move. A lot of people probably listening to this. How are you moving away from Anthony Davis so much? Well, look at every Embiid Anthony Davis matchup pretty much since Embiid came into the league. He's won it. Dominated. He's won it pretty much every single time.
0: Anthony Davis has deer headlights against him. Mm -hmm. And not to mention this year, he is so out of shape. Anthony Davis. He has looked terrible. He has looked like dog shit, mm-hmm. and it has pissed me off, and I'm sure it's pissed LeBron off.
1: LeBron's had to carry Le- – LeBron, the whole reason LeBron went and got Anthony Davis is for this time of the season. I'm I'm 36. I, I can't be carrying the load in January. That's you, dog. Right. That's, that's yes. what you're supposed to be doing. I can't be winning us these he overtime. Wants,
0: he won a, a chip.
1: Yeah. And started
0: and Coasting. coasted. Like yeah,
1: I think he, I think, Uh-oh. I think he took it the wrong way because there is a level of easing into a season after a championship because we were we played the longest of anybody. Then we partied long into the off season, so you come in and it's not the same, you know. Kind of go get it from the start because you know we got to let our bodies rest a little bit. But I think LeBron's looking at him like I didn't mean rest this long. Like I saw at some point you got turned it on. Like, I didn't mean take right. this much time off. Like get get back in the gym, bro, because. LeBron said it. I'm 36. My body can't handle these double overtime and overtime games. And he's playing through all of them because he knows he has to.
0: He, he's played over 40 minutes in each of his last three games, all going into overtime. Last night, 41.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is, I, I know it's LeBron, but at 36, that's when Father Time gets you. Yeah. I know his body hurting the next day.
0: He said, he, What did he say? He said, I'll step away when the game tells him. He's like, That's when I'm know. Mm
1: hmm. Game whispering, <laughs> the game. The game whispering.
0: <laughs> it's chatting in his ears. You know what I mean?
1: I ain't tell him yet, but it's it's coming down the lane. That's crazy, but now nah, and be and be my MVP and be my MVP. And
0: be your MVP. Yeah, you no, I, I I agree. But I would it wouldn't hurt to see LeBron get another one, especially if he's getting this high usage. That
1: like I but, it wouldn't hurt at all.
0: Yeah. All right, JJ. Always a pleasure. My guy. See you soon. Yes, sir. Straight Facts Pod. Listen to it.
1: Yep. Shout it out. Straight Facts uh, Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at STR the number eight facts underscore pod. Um uh, you know, Max Max Gordon been a frequent uh been a frequent guest on straight facts. We will to have him on soon because sure. we getting we getting Matt. we getting back in NBA talks, stat Matt, Jake Dallas, sure. <laughs> and myself. You know I mean oh how
0: you how you feeling after the Super Bowl?
1: Man, I've been ecstatic all week, bro. <laughs> and I noticed this is NBA pod, so I wasn't gonna let it. I wasn't gonna let it fly too much. But, nah, 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 but still. But bro, hey, I can't stop as talking long as about. You're doing well. They had they had the parade yesterday, the boat parade. TB twelve was loose, was gone off the sauce yesterday. <laughs> That's my goat. It,
0: does that equate to how excited you are?
1: I mean, it, it added to it. The fact that I saw. Because I was, wondering, I was wondering how much this was going to mean to him. Like, I knew it meant a lot because he went and chased it and he willed our team to win a Super Bowl. But, you know, I was watching real quick before we get off. I was watching uh, Sean Murphy bunting, one of our cornerbacks, go live. And someone asked him in the live, show Tom, show Tom. And he's like, y'all want to see Tom? And he turned the camera on. He's like, Tom over there. So Tom is like 20 to 30 feet away from the celebration, just at his locker, packing stuff up. And he's like, that's not new to him. Tom don't care. Tom not partying with us. So I'm like, man, maybe this di- maybe this didn't mean as much to Tom as I thought it was going to. Then I saw it's man's just
0: another day at work.
1: Yeah, but then I saw man's get loose. Then I saw man's party. I'm like, nah, <laughs> it it meant something to him. Look how hard he's partying. Look how much he's celebrating it with his team. This meant something to him, which energized me. It was me. which energized. That me. was
0: I think that was his most impressive Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, man. Considering the circumstances, brand new team, no preseason. And
0: he, and he proved he proved it was him and not Belichick.
1: And we coming back, and man. We dominated. we running it back. We going for number two. I love to hear. It.
0: <laughs> All right, JJ, take care. Always a pleasure. Morning dump. You already know. That's what it's been. Better.